The fantasy football season has come to an end, but this is the perfect time to take your sports viewing experience to the next level. Epson, just hook your boy up with this new Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, including their optional 120-inch silver flex screen. And I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute game changer. With an epic 120-inch picture, it's twice the size of an 85-inch TV. I should know I had one of those in my old setup. And y'all know I love scouting prospects for the NFL draft. And with that 4K Pro UHD picture this big, it can take the way that I evaluate prospect game film to a level never seen before. To learn more, visit Epson.com forward slash wake up. Again, that's EPSON.com forward slash wake up. And like Epson says, bring the sportsbook experience home. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry. I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back into another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you again for hitting the play button kind of a lull in the season right now, right? Where unless you're excited about the Pro Bowl, I don't know who the hell is excited about the Pro Bowl, but maybe it'll be interesting. You got the skills competition going on when we're recording this on Thursday night. You'll be listening to it Friday morning, so maybe that was very entertaining. Who the hell knows? And then I guess we get some flag football and some other stuff. But without further ado, my buddy, my co-host, the man of the hour, the man, the myth, the legend, wearing a North Carolina shirt tonight just to piss me off. It is ATM. Adam, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing very well. You know, this this Carolina shirt, it just it fits so well. It looks so good. I, I figured I had to do it. <laughs> Even though you guys can't see it, I knew Mike would comment on it. So it was my way of getting it out there. And I'll tell you who's excited about the Pro Bowl, Mike. Tyler Hunley. You know, Tyler Hunley is a Pro Bowler this year. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how to even say that without trying. I tried not to laugh, Mike, but I can't do it. It's, uh, he's a Pro Bowler, man. So, yeah, I'm not all that excited about the Pro Bowl. I don't know, honestly, who is because a lot of – I'm assuming a lot of other quarterbacks weren't for him to be a Pro Bowler. But in the law is when we get better, right? We talk about dynasty. We're always thinking about dynasty. So the 4D Chess Dynasty Podcast, once again on Fridays, bringing you all the good stuff in the law while your league mates are sleeping. It is crazy. I mean, pretty much all week, all I've had to really look forward to is just Senior Bowl information, right? Just everything coming out about there. Yes. Uh, you're watching all the highlight reels, like Tank Dell out there cooking people, Tajay Spears out there cooking people. I saw that video today. Holy hell, it was crazy. That's pretty much all you had to look forward to. I, I just happened to look up and go, oh, yeah, there's Pro Bowl stuff on tonight. Who knew? <laughs> Who cared? <laughs> no. <Yep. laughs> Tyler Huntley cares. You were right. Tyler Huntley, I bet he does care. Absolutely. Adam, let's talk a little bit, man. Uh, we we kind of got to get our predictions out there, right? We did have a week of football. It's last Sunday did happen. Uh, my Philadelphia Eagles into the Super Bowl. What's up? We're back. We are back in there. 
facing off against Patrick Mahomes. What would you feel about that? Uh, I think the most interesting game was the Kansas City Bengals one just because it, it felt like a lot of the world thinks the NFL's rigged. Yeah. <laughs> All those posts coming out, right? It, it wasn't a great look for the game. No, but, I mean, there was there was multiple highly questionable calls. Um, I, I get it, you know, from the standpoint of it being loud when you think about it after the fact. But the way it kind of looked, yeah, it just you, – you can't create – that for the viewer and so many people watching that that phantom play and then they get they get the down back that that one really hurt there was a few others but mike the, the one i will say that i think needs to that the narrative needs to die of this is like part of the refs rigging it is when patrick mahomes gets shoved out of bounds like oh, yeah, no question about that, that that part right there to me is, is where the noise needs to stop there was some highly questionable calls if you're a Bengals fan, I understand being pretty upset about a lot of them. But that one there, that's a boneheaded play that's a clear and obvious penalty that is you can't allow to happen at any point of the game. And just because it's late in the game and it's going to affect the outcome, which none of us wanted that outcome. Nope, Nobody wanted that to be the way the game ended. We would much rather have seen it go to overtime. But you have to call that penalty, and that one there is perfectly fine in my book. I mean, you, uh, you're you probably going to know a little bit better because it was the Bengals who lost, you being in Ohio. Now, granted, a little bit of a different part of Ohio. Than, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, a different shade of uh, shade of orange that people like where you live. Yep. <laughs> but, but I would imagine, though, you, you probably encountered quite your fair share of, uh, we like to call them kind of the fair weather bandwagon fans. You know, that meant too much to root for for Cleveland as of late, and Cincinnati has been the uh, more successful team. So... What was kind of the reaction around those parts? Like, do you encounter any Bengals fans? Were they were they livid, losing their minds? Yeah, I mean, and rightfully so, honestly, on some of those calls, I I can't blame them. You know, I, I and I, I saw a lot of it, which Mike is honestly where that comment's coming from is like, you know, there, there was a point in which you had a lot of good points, but when people started going to, oh, you can't call that that late in the game, yeah. no, that's where it needs to stop. That that was the one hundred percent the right call. There's no way you cannot call that. But yeah, people were very upset. Um, and I'll say that the last point there, what you made first was, all of a sudden, Mike, it's crazy how many Bengals fans are in Ohio because all these years, all these years when they were terrible, Marvin Lewis is the coach for forever. I, I didn't even know Bengals fans existed. <laughs> so, they kind of come out of the woodwork, did? Yeah, no. Nah, th- there's been some loyal some loyal Bengals fans, but. Seems like they've multiplied quite a bit these last few years with Joe Burrow. I mean, that's a, I, I give Cowboys fans a lot of shit, a lot of shit, but I will give them props on this one thing. You know, they're Cowboys fans all the time, right? They, right. they don't, they don't choose. Now they, they get over their skis every off season and they're like, this is our year. We're going to the Super Bowl. And then usually by a week six or seven, they hate their team and they're God awful. They're garbage again. I think you're describing what I am. Browns fans. That's what the Browns fans do. We're all excited. The best season that we ever had, Mike, was when they put us on the cover of Sports Illustrated with OBJ, and there are these guys Super Bowl contenders. It was him and Landry. Oh, no. no, we have constant disappointment, but uh, that, oh, that's man. neither here nor there. So, on my part, being an Eagles fan, uh, game wasn't as interesting, right? Um, it's it was close for a while, and then if, I mean, if you just look at the final score, the it's a wide wide range of victory. But once Brock Purdy tore his UCL. And it was the Josh Johnson show there for the pretty much the remainder of the first half. And then Josh Johnson also gets injured and Purdy comes back and can't actually throw a football. 
can't actually complete a pass. It got out of hand pretty quick. Adam, for me, I was pretty impressed with the Eagles. I mean, they they flat out whipped the 49ers ass on the in the trenches, right? The offensive line dominated their defensive line. You didn't hear shit from Nick Bosa all game. Right. Uh, on the defensive side, they had no answer for Hassan Reddick. <laughs> well, when the game started out, they didn't have an answer for Hassan Reddick, and I guess they thought the answer was we're going to have Croft, <laughs> Tyler Croft, try to block him, our well, third, fourth string tight end. This will be good. Well, mistake me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it Hassan Reddick that caused the, the Thorn UCL too? It so was. Essentially, it was. once that point happened, uh, it didn't matter what <laughs> what was going to take place after that. Yeah, Reddick had a uh, – a field day early and all all game truthfully i mean the eagles kind of just did whatever they wanted in the trenches jalen hurts didn't have to do too much i mean uh, miles sanders had two touchdown runs early and then you just kind of didn't see him for the rest of the game but it didn't really matter <laughs> it didn't really matter too much boston scott's getting in on the action getting another touchdown like what the fuck is going on here but it was good so that all sets up the super bowl matchup in a week it's crazy to say that the super bowl is already not here, but very close, Adam. I mean, yeah, we're we're, in, we're inside we're, of a week. Inside of a week. So I'll put you on the spot here. With all you know, you're impartial. Who you got? I mean, you don't have to take my side just because I'm your I'm your co-host here. But how do you see the matchup? Like, if you had to put money down on a winner, who you, who are you taking? Man, I, you know, I, I've kind of gone early. I've kind of thought a lot of different things. Um, I'm not like going to tell you I have the for sure answer and this is the way it is. The way I'm looking at it, though, Mike, is this. I, I see it from both lenses where the extra week off and having two weeks in between is actually good for both sides. I mean, Jalen Hurts is not 100%. He could use time off. In the same breath, Patrick Mahomes, one, looked a little more mobile than I think people were ready to see. I I honestly was not willing to discount the Kansas City Chiefs going into that game. He looked mobile, and he gets another two weeks, which I think will help him. The interesting part for me, though, Mike, is going to be kind of the chess match, speaking of the 4D chess. And, you know, I think weekly, what the Eagles throw at you on offense is tough. You know, the RPO stuff, the way Jalen Hurts is, all those weapons on offense. I think when you game plan for that team, week, like just on a, off of a fresh week in the NFL, that's tough. And, and you don't see a lot of it. Now, the one interesting part is they have an extra week the Chiefs do to really look at that, to get healthy on defense, and to prep for that. Now, I don't know if that means that you can stop it. <laughs> at the end of the day, no one's really been able to stop the Eagles much on offense, but I do think the extra time could benefit them looking at the Eagles' offense. Mike, I, I think here's the thing. I really would like to know what the weapons are going to be for the Chiefs when they go to play. If the majority of these pass catchers are out there, I, I think the Chiefs can find a way to win this football game. But if they're trotting out there like they did at the end of last week Mike versus the Bengals Marcus Kemp if he's going to play a significant yeah. if he's going to play a significant amount of snaps I, I can't I can't go with the Chiefs so if the wide receiving corps healthy I think it's going to be the Chiefs in a close game but I, I honestly think it a lot of it depends for the Chiefs on offense of that Mahomes has shown though when he's thrown to almost anybody he, he can play he can uh the it looks like they're definitely going to be without me Cole Hardman I mean, right Miko hardly knew you at this point, but still, that's one down already. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with Juju. Uh, you know, Tony left that that game last Sunday. Yeah, Juju it, and it Tony are the big ones, right? Yeah, it wasn't good. So 
Like ah, you're 100 percent right, man. If they got to trot out Jody Fortson playing out wide wide receiver, I, I big win for the Eagles. Um, and and I do think they have the ability, at least in my opinion, being an Eagles fan, one of the few times I can say that our safety play is up up to snuff in order to kind of mitigate some of Travis Kelsey. Uh, we right. haven't been able to do that in the past, so right. that's going to be huge. If 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 uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson can actually cut cover Travis Kelsey, and they really don't have any other options to go to, ooh, it's going to be tough for Patrick. But it is Patrick Mahomes for a reason. I'll never discount that guy. I will say I'm I'm going to lean with my homerism. I'll take the Eagles, but I'm not going to lie to you, man. Playing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, playing Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. Playing Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl scares the shit. <laughs> it scares the absolute shit out of me. So yeah. this won't be any cakewalk. The big one matchup wise that I'm looking forward to is to seeing how the Eagles' offensive line tries to neutralize Chris Jones because he was monster, a absolute monster. Yes, a game record in that Bengals game. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that we always kind of thought was like Aaron Donald defensive tackle, and then like everybody else, and he's just in that next tier. Chris Jones is showing why he's he should have been up in that conversation the whole time. He is an absolute unit. So really interesting to see how Alex Dickerson, how those guards, Kelsey, um, how the interior of the offensive line handles them. Uh, then the, they've shown here this season they're willing to put them out on the edges too. So Mylotta and Lane Johnson, they might have their hands full with Chris Jones a few times. So be interesting to see, man. But uh, I'm excited for the game. I'm excited to be back in the Super Bowl. Uh, me being an Eagles fan for as long as I've been, there was a time where I just kind of resided to the fact that I'd never see the Eagles win a Super Bowl. And then, you know, Nick Foles happened. And uh, now I'm kind of riding high the fact that, holy shit, I might have two in my lifetime. <laughs> I might see a second one. It's crazy. What also is crazy about that, though, Mike, is that not only that, but the year they won the Super Bowl, right? Carson Wentz was playing at what people said was an MVP level. And then it wasn't him that won the Super Bowl. And if you would have told people at that point, when they just won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, that they'll win it again in several years, when Carson Wentz is still going to be fairly young and it's going to be another quarterback that's not Carson Wentz, that would be something people wouldn't believe. The, The last point, I agree with a lot of what you said too. That was one of the interesting parts for me about the Bengals game that I, I, the narratives week to week are funny to me. When you think about the Bills game, right, the Bengals and the Bills, Bills were heavily favored, and the narrative surrounding that game really was that the Cincinnati Bengals were down 3-0 linemen and that there's no way they're going to be able to protect Burrow. It didn't matter because Von Miller wasn't playing anymore, and the Bills' pass rush mm-hmm. isn't much once that happened. All of a sudden now, going into this last week, Patrick Mahomes has this you know bum angle he can't run. No one's even talking really about the narrative is not certainly surrounding how bad the Bengals O-line is, is now beat up and how different Frank Clark and Chris Jones are in particular getting after the quarterback. Obviously, you saw that was an issue for the game. And Patrick Mahomes, even when hurt, is still Patrick Mahomes. Um, the, the other thing with the pass catchers, lastly, is that I, I do think if they're not – if the Chiefs, when I say they, are not rolling out better receivers than you know Marcus Camp and these guys – they're already two weeks is going to give you so much time to focus on Travis Kelsey and what he does, what where he wins. So they are going to be focused on him no matter who's out there. So if the if the other receivers are bad, I, I think that's where the Chiefs will really get into trouble because 
they're going to put hyper focus on Travis Kelsey. You can guarantee that. It is it is going to be an interesting game to watch, man. I'm excited for it. I'm ready to get some of my favorite food, some of my favorite drinks, and sit down and yell at a TV and make my wife mad that I'm way too invested in this game for her liking. And then you get all the things that go with the Super Bowl. I'm interested to watch the halftime show. I'm interested to see the commercials, man. It's, it's a yearly tradition to see what they bring out for Super Bowl commercials. It's kind of crazy to say, but yeah, I think I'd... Uh, I think I'd much rather watch the Super Bowl from home than actually go there. And one of them is because tickets cost a billion dollars. <laughs> I don't yeah. have a billion dollars. If someone gave me, if someone handed me tickets to the Super Bowl in a nice location, I'm not like way, way up in the top row. <laughs> I would love to go, but you know, I, I also enjoy watching it on an 85 inch screen in my own house and not having to fight the crowd and get to watch it up close and feel good here. So, you know, look at you with that big flex. I mean, it's big just, flex. it's, but even if you don't have that, it, it doesn't matter what all these TVs nowadays, you, it's like, you're there, you know, you, you're, you're, you got yeah. the best TV angle. You're ready to go. So I, I'm excited to watch the game too, man. It's going to be fun. Pretty soon you'll be able to watch that thing in VR, right? Like you're actually in there in the huddle. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I won't. You know what? When they put when they start putting uh, cameras on those helmets, that's when it's going to be crazy. You can get the the live the live visual from right from all those cameras. That'd be sweet. Let's get into a little bit of dynasty talk. It is a damn dynasty show. I'll stop gloating about my Eagles and how great they are. But Adam, one of the questions has come up quite a bit this week in our Discord uh, over the past couple weeks, and especially on our AMA that we did on Tuesday night. Is is should I trade this draft pick for this player? Should I? And these are almost always one for one deals. People trying to get vets on the cheap. The big thing, the big shift, I think for you and I this year has been this liquidity talk, right? Mm-hmm. This staying fluid and and investing in the assets that are going up. And draft picks almost certainly are going up. There's been a lot of talk about prospect fatigue and maybe this class isn't as good as we once thought and all this, but. Adam, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's the first real week where we have nothing to talk about but prospects. Literally nothing to talk about but prospects. And I'm glued to my Twitter account. I'm glued to the Discord, just drooling over Senior Bowl stuff. One-on-ones, one-on-one drills with wide receivers just absolutely cooking DBs. And that drill is completely set up for the wide receiver to cook the DB. And yet I still find myself getting excited going like, man, this Tank Dell guy, this Tank Dell guy, he could be something. I'm going to have to move him up. Look at him. Look how good he is. And uh, we do this every year. Roshan so, Johnson looks awesome. Hey, man, don't don't hate on Roshan. That's, I'm not. That's my guy. I, I'm actually excited for Roshan. That's my kind of my point. Um, it's Hopefully funny. that broken hand heals real quick. It's funny. Dynasty Degenerates. This is why the 40 Chess Dynasty football podcast exists. Because, you know, Mike and I, we, we didn't have a, a certain show that we were going to do today. You know, we kind of get into – we may have a generic topic that we – that we discuss, but it's generally flow and we, and we work better together when we do this. Mike's dropping this as what we're going to say. And this is literally what I typed in the newsletter. So it's going to be interesting to see if our, our thoughts align here, but as you're getting this podcast dropped to you on Friday, um, I wrote on Thursday, right before we hopped on here (laughs) talking about the 23 class and the exceptions, I would be willing to trade the leverage I built up now for players specifically, as opposed to keeping the picks. So we're on the same page with this one, and I think this is honestly one of the – and I think probably probably this is the way because we've seen a lot of this in different discords, whether that's in Destination Devi, our own, South Harmon. A lot of people are talking about the picks and trading them and what makes sense to trade or keep the pick. 
So one of the big questions we got, we had an in-depth discussion, but we'll bring it to all the people was uh, trading a pick. And it, I think it was like the 106 or 107, just somewhere in that range, just go with it. But for a guy like DeAndre Swift, you and I both love DeAndre Swift. I mean, we absolutely adore him. Uh, we are very frustrated with his usage and situation in Detroit and this whole Dan Campbell thing that him being frustrated with him being injured and then not getting the playing time and Jamal Williams going out there and scoring all these touchdowns. I will say this though, man, as much as I love running backs, I love DeAndre Swift. I love the talent. I think he is absolutely a phenomenal NFL player in my dynasty leagues, man. I can't see a situation on a single team I have where I'd be willing to give up a 106, 107, uh, 108, nope. uh, even the 109 for Not DeAndre chance. Swift. Not a chance. Not right now. If you are going to acquire DeAndre Swift, what's your comfort level? Like, what are you willing to pay in just a single draft pick in this class to go get DeAndre Swift? This is going to assume your team's ready for it. I mean, you're not right. a rebuilding squad, but you feel like, you know, I'm comfortable here sending this way. This is a deal that's too good to pass up. You know, Mike, this is a tough question for me personally because the way that we play now, right, we're a lot in a lot of these best ball leagues and we're in so many leagues. So the, the problem with this question for me specifically is I'm already overexposed, right? Mm-hmm. So for me specifically, I will still answer the question generically if I wasn't, but like for me in my leagues, Mike, Right now, I have nine shares of DeAndre Swift. So I'm at a 35% owning of DeAndre Swift. So personally, where I've, I have a lot of picks, even if I don't have a lot of picks, like on a team that's ready to go, I'm probably not doing it. Like I'm probably – because here's the thing. I, I, I don't think I'll send a single first, honestly, even in the back half, on my teams currently because of my portfolio exposure. I don't, I don't need – to be heavier on DeAndre Swift for a late first, even though I think that's maybe a fair value. Now, if someone's going to let me send a second, early second, man, I'm, I may have a hard time saying no. But even then, this running back class is so deep, and the values are shifting towards all the 23 talk, right? You're, we're talking it's, – it's early February. The Senior Bowl's happening. We're going to have the combine. We're going to have the draft. There's going to be so much hype around so many of these running backs, and I think – even people that are tapped in and know it's a deep running back class don't realize that in three months, like the next two to three months, how many running backs are really in this class that could get draft capital and could matter for football teams in the NFL. So the early second for me, honestly, on some of these teams, I might actually do it there just because I think DeAndre Swift's that special of a talent. The reason that I have a hard time even there on the teams where I already have so much exposure, Mike, is this. DeAndre Swift going into this year four is already starting to rub, rub people the wrong way. So scenario a would be the good scenario. If Deandre Swift comes out, earns some of this line share back, he's not going to ever be this feature three down guy that we once thought, right? But let's say he's in that upper 50, low 60% snap share. That's what you want out of him. And if he stays healthy and produces, he'll absolutely be worth early second, late first and 23. Okay. But that's the rosy outcome. Right, We have to be realistic about what are the scenarios. If he gets hurt, even if it's for a game or two again, people are going to be ready to be done. Like literally are yeah. going to be ready to be done with DeAndre Swift. Whereas this this running back in a scenario, even if it's an early second, 
They, they may not fire right away, but people aren't writing them off. Look at Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, it took him five weeks before all of a sudden this crazy value ascension comes, right? There's a lot more outs in the pick, in the player, even after you make the pick, than there is with DeAndre Swift. This, honestly, is one of the biggest processes I've learned, and you've already hit on that that you've learned too. I love DeAndre Swift to death. I think if if I could get Dan Campbell to let him say, hey, you're going to play him at 65 70% of snaps, I, I'd send all them damn picks. But I can't predict that. And what I've seen right now and the way Dynasty gamers are viewing things, it doesn't make sense for me to do it. So, you know, if I wasn't heavily exposed, Mike, I'd probably send a late first if you're convicted on DeAndre Swift. But I'm just going to tell you that process, what I've learned, probably says not even to do that. Boom. Scott touched on a lot of this on his podcast on Monday, which was a really, really good listen. Go check that out. Shout out to our guy, Dynasty Barry. You can check him out on the newsletter. He's always posting every single week ADP articles. He's running all these rookie mock drafts at him. So when I say this, don't think I'm trying to be hot takey. And and Adam, I'm not even looking at a portfolio approach. I'm being portfolio agnostic on how many shares of the generic Swift generic talk. Right? Yeah, generic talk here. When I say Adam, I don't think unless it's the 206 or later, yeah. I would trade for DeAndre Swift. I think that's fair. It, and when I look at it, some of my reasoning behind it, right? I just did a mock draft with Barry, right? We get all the people Destination Debbie together, a lot of Heisman members, a lot of really tapped in people doing a mock draft. Listen to the second round. Kendra Miller. It's a guy you and I both really like. Film is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Michael Mayer. I know you and I differ on this, but in like these tight end premium leagues, if he's a top 15 first round NFL selection to a decent enough landing spot, I'm going to be interested at the 202. <laughs> really interested at the 202. I'll be interested there in Michael Mayer in the early second. I just think in that scenario, he would go yeah. in the first, which is why I'd be out. Sean Tucker. Guy, guy we both like at running back. Has a lot of traits that are pretty exciting, especially that long explosive speed. And then think about this, man. We had Matt Bruning on, and we were talking to him. You had him on an AMA where you are talking to him when we thought Kayshawn Boutte was going back to school, man. <laughs> and where did he say he'd have him? The number one wide receiver coming out in 24, over Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, not saying that that Matt's 100% correct, but when Matt talks about stuff, I pay attention because Matt is a very smart guy. There are a lot of people who really love Kayshawn Boutte. Now, we'll see if the NFL actually loves Kayshawn Boutte, but think about it. You're getting him at the 204, Adam, the 204, for what was a lot of people's clear wide receiver one heading into the season. And then at 205, Zach Evans. And if it isn't Zach Evans, Tank Bigsby went at 2-7. So if that's your guy over Zach Evans, then that's fine. But right. when I start looking at it, it's like, man, I don't even really feel comfortable until like the 206. And even then, it's still kind of sketchy. Like sure. people do crazy things for some of these uh, early to mid seconds. So with a guy like DeAndre Swift, I'm all about the liquidity on him. Like if somebody wants to give me these picks in this range – Adam, I think I'll send him away for that. And I sure as hell ain't buying for that. No. Yeah, and, and that's where I, th- I just think it's not a good buy. And, and, well, let me say this. It's not a good buy if picks are involved, personally, in this 23 class for me. I am interested in buying DeAndre Swift currently if I can buy him for players that are currently in the NFL that yeah. have also a preconceived notion by a lot of people and are not necessarily – one of these type of players that's still going to be arrow up all off season. 
in that scenario, if you want to buy DeAndre Swift for that, I'm all aboard, depending on, you know, what player it would be. For me, though, Mike, I think this is where this whole discussion is so great because, like, I, I'm, I have a hard time putting, like, hard, fast rules on things because I think there's exceptions a lot of times. But, Mike, for, for the most part, and, and I'll get into the exceptions of the rule for me here, I'm not trying to sell, and in general, in Dynasty. So so think about this in general first, everyone Dynasty Degenerates listening, and then understand why it applies to the picks. In general, if I know one of my players, one of my assets, let's just call it an asset, is going to be going up in value. If I know that's the case, that's not the person I want to move. That's not the asset I want to move. I, I know that even though the 23 class is a bunch of hype, there is a window of three months plus where these assets are accruing value still. That's not the asset that I want to move. That's just, in, in general, that's where, for me, typically right now, I'm not actually looking to move these picks unless I'm getting an overpay back. So, what are some of the exceptions, right? And I think, Mike, for me, it's pretty simple, um, but there's basically three when I break it down into a nutshell. First one, if I can get any of these picks and leverage, take away some of my leverage to get into the elite quarterback group, that's something I'm interested in. That's a, that's a move I'll make today, even though the picks are guaranteed to go up still. If I can get into the top eight quarterbacks especially. So if I'm talking Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, honestly, probably I'll cut it off there. But if you want to throw – you know, Kyler Murray in that range, that's fine. For me, those eight, if I can get into that mix, I'll move I'll move I'll move a package, including the one oh one or one oh two even, to get into that range. The other exception would be and it's probably only gonna be two. If you want to throw C D Lamb in there, that's fine, but Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Part of the reason I, I say that is not only are they young, not only are they scoring points like high end wide receivers, but they have value retention that most people in Dynasty just don't have. Right? Like we saw Cooper Cup get hurt this year. We saw Cooper Cup get hurt and what happened? Gigantic fall in dynasty value. His age, yeah. right? Is his age. Jamar Chase got hurt, missed multiple weeks at a crucial point in the dynasty season. And what happened? Nothing. I mean, if you bought it was for this the you saw this five hundred dollar, you know, crazy expensive item in the store and you're like, Oh, this is I really want this, but I can't afford it. And they put it on sale for four ninety five, and you bought it. <laughs> I got five dollars off. Sol, man, you you bought for fucking full price. They played you. You know that's what happened with Jamar Chase, and that's the point. The value retention is so strong with those two. I'm also willing to do it because everybody craves them. They're not going to lose significant amount of dynasty value. I'm in. The third and final one only really applies to best ball. And Dynasty Degenerates, if you're thinking about it from a lineup sense, I'm, I'm asking you what I'm giving you here. Do not do this in a lineup league. But if I can get a significant package, I'm talking, you know, two of the top 30 type assets in Dynasty, three of the top 50 type assets in Dynasty for one of my early 23 picks, I'm in on that. But like outside of those type scenarios, why, why am I trading picks today? Why do that? You're, yeah. you're, you're, the value's going up. Hold these picks. Hold them because even if you don't – I think what happens right now is everybody's very – they want to know what they have, 
right? And there's this unsuredness of what player you're going to take at 111. What player am I going to take at 204? You don't have to know that today. That will work itself out. But the players, the picks are going to continue to accrue value. You don't have to have someone you can press the button on in your lineup until September. Like, let the value build. So I ask you this, too. I mean, we talked about DeAndre Swift. That's a running back who's going roughly about the early part of the fifth round in startups, right? Still a top 12 dynasty running back by most people's accounts. And sure. the guy that still has name cachet. But you touched on a lot of things, man. He is a couple bad performances, one injury away. You know, them bringing back Jamal Williams and, you know, still doing the same shit that they did last year with his usage. That's a running back, Adam. Let me say this. Let's put the price tag at the 111. We've already said no way in hell. No way in hell would I buy DeAndre Swift for the I'm taking 111 for DeAndre Swift basically anywhere. Let's move to some other positions, but guys kind of in the same range in a startup and okay. see if that changes your opinion because it's a running back versus something else. Let's do it. What What about Debo Samuel? Probably cashing out. Okay. Uh, Christian Watson. The the only difference with Christian Watson, now I'm I'm cashing out personally, right? But the only difference with Christian Watson is he's young, so there's this possibility people think he's still ascending. Um, where like mm-hmm. Debo doesn't have that in his range of outcomes anymore, right? We kind of at this point we know what Debo is. We've seen his good and his bad. DeAndre Swift we've seen his good and his bad. Christian Watson has the youthful allure. For me though, I, I'm not as big of a believer long-term in Christian Watson, especially with Aaron Rodgers' uncertainty in Green Bay. So I'm cashing out on Christian Watson uh, personally. Okay. But I think I think there's a lot of people that even in a process move think that Christian Watson is the right place. And I just, that's just not me. Chris Godwin? Mm, I think Chris Godwin's a, a good one. It's a good, like, what's my build? What am I trying to do? Am I in a league that I can trade this pick? Because – I think at the end of the day, if I take a receiver at 111 and I'm going into September, at that point, Chris Godwin's worth more than the 111. But as long as it's an active enough league, I take this 111. I have so much flexibility to trade it and maneuver it around. I think I could probably get north of Chris Godwin by the time September comes around. But if I'm in a league that's that's kind of more of a stale league, I might actually just hold. I think these next three that are on the list are home run slam dunks. Like I would, I would trade away my one eleven for these players in any format, any league. Okay, uh, Michael Pittman. I think I probably take Pittman there too. I'm a little more on the fence of that one, but I think I'm going to lean Pittman. Okay, George Kittle. Kittle. Yep. Uh, and, tight end, uh, tight end premium. Yeah, tight end premium. I'm taking Kittle. And what about JMO? You'll send the 111 for JMO? Am I really going to re-roll that 111 into something better? I hope so, because what did JMO do? JMO didn't do anything, right? But he was also hurt for the whole year, pretty much the whole year. Yep. I think the one thing that puts me onto the Jamison Williams where I say, like, at the 111, I'm good with it, even though uh, you know, I, I haven't liked the crazy things people have done with Jamison Williams, is the fact that the hype is still there, Adam. Even after him doing nothing, like keep, right. keep trade cut values of higher mm-hmm. people value the piss out of him in trades. Uh, they still want this guy. He's still going high in startups. Yep. He still has that that allure of almost like a, a rookie pick or like 
this is what we did with Travis Etienne last year, if you remember, right? Where we're going like, how the hell does a guy get a, a major foot injury, not play his entire rookie year, and then we head into startups the following year, and he's actually going higher in drafts than he was his rookie year when he was healthy, when we thought he was healthy, right? Mm-hmm. When he, he hadn't broken his foot yet. So I think Jameis Williams has a lot of that, and he also has it on a a good offense that we've seen be explosive, and he also has it with playing the position of wide receiver versus running back, right? Where people have started to hate running backs for a long time, and yet this is a wide receiver, so people are still very much in on Jamison Williams. So even if he starts slow in 2023, I don't think his value is going to crater. It's not going to go going to go down. I mean, you're going to have to go like week seven, week eight, week nine. He still hasn't done shit for it to really turn on people. So if I look at it right now and I go, I could have that same thing happen with the 111. Yeah, I could hit a home run or I could land QB4 or maybe I find one of these, you know, day two running backs that end up being, you know, in a smash spot that really turned out for me. Or I could have Jamison Williams. I think the uh, the hype on Jamison Williams is probably going to be more than anybody I'm going to take at that spot. Well, let me say this. I, I will I will push back on this one quite a bit but I also agree with a lot of the points you made but I want to make the follow-up point as to why I, I give a lot of pushback here is we know startup data shows this when we're drafting kickers versus drafting rookies it's just it's always it does not matter the kickers go later right part of that is because people don't know people drafting just don't know enough about landing spot they don't know they don't know about the prospects they don't know about anything Probably a lot of you listening probably don't know anything about Spears out of, out of Tulane. Yeah. Yep. He's 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 cooking at the Senior Bowl. I don't know what's going to happen with his draft capital, but he's getting exciting. We got all these twenty three guys that are going to get very exciting for three months. Then they're going to get draft capital. Then the majority of people that aren't playing in the degenerate leagues like Mike and I are going to have their dynasty drafts. One eleven, Mike. The way I view it is going to be a pick that everybody wants. I really do. And I think part of what makes Jameson Williams so exciting right now is a couple things. One, the quarterback landscape is so bad that like after about 8 to 10 to 12, even at 12, honestly, like some people just don't want to invest in the quarterbacks there. They're just out. So that shallows out the Superflex rankings. And then the other thing is right now, everybody wants the youth. Everybody wants something that they feel like has this, like you said, allure. Now, Jameson Williams hasn't technically failed, but he has he's had time to do something and hasn't done a thing. Other than the draft capital, nothing's protecting him. And I think when everyone else starts to get allure, all these players really become more household names than just dynasty degenerates, Devi degenerates, C2C people, right? Playing that know all the 23 guys. They've known him for two years. But once those become household names, there's people to those picks. There's draft capital involved. There's landing spots involved. Think, go, go back and think about all the years where these rookies that you didn't really know about or that you weren't all that excited about. Like CEH is going to forever ring true here. I mean, this guy goes anywhere but Kansas City in the first round. No chance he's even in the discussion of one-on-one. We've seen all these players type push up the board like crazy because of landing spot and draft capital. That That's where, honestly, for me – I'm going to take the 111 over Jamison Williams because I think he will eventually trend down when a lot of these are trending up. And I think 111 is a spot that will give 
you a very nice player, whether that's a running back, wide receiver. I, I really like the 111. So I'll take that over Jamison Williams. I'm not going to say that you don't make good points because he has kept his dynasty value today. But I'm very curious to see if this one stands and holds when all this 23 hype comes in. Perfect, man. I think what we'll do is uh, we can look back on this episode. This is the uh, the first one of February. Uh, be easy one to pinpoint, but we'll look back. You know, sometime in like June or July, we'll look at ADP data in a startup. Yeah, and we can compare it to who who was the consensus one eleven. We'll kind of see where they're going in drafts at that point. As long as there wasn't, you know, if there was a major injury or something really bad happened to that player, we'll just use the guy in front of him. We'll use the one ten. Doesn't really yeah. matter, but we can get a yeah. general range in, of it. in, in it, the range of it, right? Yeah, we'll get a range in a sense and see what really happens with Jamison Williams' value because I do agree with some of your points that you made as well, man. Like, I I fully know what people do with hype season. I fully right. know what they do. It just, to me, when I'm looking at it, when I'm hearing other podcasts and I'm hearing other people talk about it and, you know, trades with Jamison Williams involved, the passion and the hype around him for absolutely doing nothing his rookie year is just it feels on a different level to me so sure you were talking a little bit about quarterbacks here kind of interesting if i'm just looking at startup adp data uh the next set of quarterbacks that i would get to the 111 or this quarterback adam which one would you rather have kirk cousins if i'm any type of contender i'll take kirk all day okay danny dimes dimes all right kenny pickett our guy. Pick it. Jared Goff. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm rebuilding, I, I could be okay with 111. Right. If I'm not, I'm, I want Goff for sure. Because you can keep going. I'll, I'll make the point after we do the exercise. How about Russ? Yeah, I got to know my direction here, especially. Like, if I'm yeah. contending, I want Russell Wilson. As gross as that sounds. Now, I don't necessarily think you have to give up 111 to get him, but I want Russell Wilson. Okay. Uh, my guy, get ready to break my heart, Mac Do Jones. Hmm. See, here's where I need to know, too, what my quarterback situation is. If I have two other ones that I feel good about, and I think I might be able to get a third, I would take the 111. Problem okay. is, like, we know quarterback scarcity. I'm not going to take 111 and only have one quarterback and not have a plan to get, you know, another quarterback. All right. I, man, I mean, Geno Smith's in this range, but I've had some discussions with the patrons. We, I mean, we could have it right now. 111 or Geno Smith? 111. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's a question for me. I think Geno's pretty much overvalued for me, but it's not what the point of the show is, not to dunk on Geno. But uh, we had that question. Would you take a, you know, what projects to be a late 24 first or Geno Smith. And I'm like, just liquidate that right now. Easily take the 24 first and walk away. You'll be yeah. Fine. Now I'll say the only um, exemption to this would be, you know, you start getting like a 14 team league and yeah. you're yeah. in best ball and you're, you're heavily competitive, man, the value certainly on the one eleven side. It's not close, but 14 team quarterback scarcity, you're a contender. Like, even if you take that 111 and you make multiple moves, you may not be able to get back into starting quarterback range that matter. That That's where I might just hold, even though I hate holding, like, in that scenario. But yeah, I'm trying to give a – I'm trying to paint a picture so that it's like – like, I understand the quarterback scarcity and the value of quarterbacks, but Geno, given all his years of not doing anything and coming off of this season, I would like to liquidate that. So you touched on it a little bit earlier, but 
I said uh, DeAndre Swift in the ADP data that I'm looking at is an early fifth in startup super flex drafts. The wide receivers that I listed were late fifths, and George Kittle was a late fifth as well. Uh, the quarterbacks, Adam, early sixth, all the way down to when we're talking about Mac Jones as a ninth round selection. So right. the, the 111, the actual rookie pick 111, is a late seventh at this point. And you talked a little bit about how that's just going to keep rising. And when you use, I mean, we may have talked about it on a podcast last year, but Adiko's uh, ADP data showed it really well. The fact that when you use rookie picks, generic numbers as placeholders in a, in a draft, a startup draft, the difference between the actual player names that go come draft time, right? When we look at the startup drafts in, in May and they're using actual players, they almost universally rise across the board. So if a guy is a consensus 104, the 104 right now is going 401. That'll probably rise to like mid to early third round in a startup. Might, might even creep in the second, depending on what happens in the quarterback landscape. Correct. Yeah. So these are all bound to go up the actual rookie pick uh, data, but it is interesting to see the spread. You know, I look at a guy who's a fifth round startup pick at him and I'm going 111 or this guy. Well, he plays a running back position, which scares the piss out of just about everybody. He has all those negatives that you talked about and all these other players are going after him in startups. So it becomes less about if I'm doing a startup right now, Adam, so much less for me about, building a team and just assembling the most value assets yes Yes, i want the assets i don't i don't give a shit if i don't have a starting running back (laughs) leaving a startup draft i have all off season to find one whether that's through draft picks whether that's through trades i have infinite almost infinite amount of time to actually build a team so if i'm doing a startup draft right now i don't think there's a lot of running backs i'm chasing early buddy (laughs) i really don't it has to be a rare exception. One of those rare exceptions is, you know, taking the 101 and potentially taking Bijan or taking one of these draft picks that becomes Jameer Gibbs or or whatever it is. I'm just trying to get the value. I think the only other exceptions you can really throw in is Jonathan Taylor, still really good at football. He's probably going to be really good at football next year. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, all these guys. I think you have a conversation at their cost, but we start to get some of these other ones, DeAndre Swift, these back-end RB1s, Ramondre. Um, even even our guy that we, we kind of like heading into the season, right? Like, do you want to spend the 111 or do you want Nick Chubb? Which would you rather have there? Um, I think that would depend on the league. Uh, I would say a lot of times I feel like I could probably end up moving this 111 for a, a – bunch of different things to get into something better or something plus of Nick Chubb but if I'm in a league that's very sharp and is not going to take these dynasty dips on a guy like Nick Chubb someone that's a contender is like nah you're gonna have to you know pay me for Nick Chubb or I can't get back into some other running back in that range I'm not gonna sell Nick Chubb for the 111 but I think the way that dynasty values are trending it's gonna sound crazy Right now, uh, this is actually kind of a good point. This is a good player example, right? So 111 right now for people, and what you just mentioned, let me just touch on that real quick. I think part of the the reality of the kickers or the placeholders for rookies versus when we draft and we know the players, there's two things that happen. One, all the value builds, right? So the players are going to start going earlier because there's draft capital. People start knowing them more. 
And then you also understand the difference in how people associate just a number and how people associate names, right? So right now, Dynasty Degenerates, when you think about this, like you think about Nick Chubb, right? Okay, Watson's going to be there the whole year. This guy's great on a contender. I don't want to just move Nick Chubb for a late first. Okay, fine. I'm not going to really fight that point. But understand the 111, you may not think of that glowingly today. But there are going to be running backs in that range that are going to be on rookie contracts and have draft capital. Tank Bigsby's almost a lock to be in 111. This is a guy <laughs> This is a guy that was in the discussion of one of the best running backs in this class a mere year ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he gets Mike, if he gets early or even regular day 2 draft capital, he could very well be at 111, likely to be at 111. Yeah. I know Nick Chubb's a great talent. I know all these things. And when the season comes around, you're going to want Nick Chubb over Tank Bigsby or whatever that is at 111. But think about how long the season is away. The Super Bowl is going to be played next week. you got six months of time to move to 111 and do a lot of things with it. 111's value is going up. Nick Chubb is going to tread water. The reality is I'll take the pick if I'm in a league that's very active and I can move. When we get to September, though, and you're a contender, you're going to prefer Nick Chubb probably over the player. All right, so that kind of covers the first-round part. So I want to get to the more crusty ones because we do get some deep-dive questions on these. Um, you know, I've kind of seen a few deals go down where you're packaging like multiple thirds for multiple guys in that range that you could probably assume are probably worth that. You know what I mean? So yeah. at what point does it become worth, you, worth it for you to buy vets for third-round picks? You know, if it's the 304, 306, and 308, like, are you comfortable sending that away for an Alan Lazard, uh, uh, Michael Carter, and a Tyler Boyd? Like, just throwing a random package together. Best ball, I'd probably take the package. Lineup, I think I'll just stay with the pick even. You're going to stay with the picks? In in lineup. In best ball, I want the package. In lineup, like, if I'm starting nine, I don't want those guys. In, True, in, those in, guys in, the, in the early third, like I, I might be able to still shoot my shot on Roshan Johnson or something. Like I might still be able to get a running back that could be, when it pops, a, a starter. Like I'm start nine. I'm I don't I don't want to. Tyler Boyd maybe makes my lineup on bye weeks, but I don't want to start Tyler Boyd. You know what I mean? What about what about if it was like for three of those running backs kind of in that range right i take the wide receivers out of it but if we're going to play with this hero rb zero rb strategy that's become so imperative and what what scott has talked about all off season it feels like forever okay just getting guys with pulses so lineup league adam not best ball we'll stick with lineup here you're trading three third round picks for guys like cream hunt uh kenneth gainwell and i will throw in just gonna pick a random one jeff wilson right Hmm. That's a that's a that's a great question. So here here's the thing, right? Your third round picks this year, they may all net you zeros. Like we we like them a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I want them, but they may end up not doing much for you. <clears throat> the value's still trending to those picks, though. But if you gave me like that scenario is interesting. And the reason I say that is because. I think Kareem Hunt has name cachet still, but it's crusty name cachet now, you know? Really? Yeah. Um, so but if he lands in a spot where he could be the day one back, all of a sudden some of the crusty is not as crusty, right? right. Jeff Wilson right now is probably 
at his peak in dynasty value, but if he's back in Miami, that run scheme is gross, but could be worth it. Kenny Gainwell is a, a, a guy that I would take for a third generically because he's in a good situation and, you know, Miles Sanders might not be there. We don't know what's going to happen there. So that's probably one I would consider taking the players. Um, but if like, if you wanted to hold too, I'm not going to fight you. I think it's, I think it's just a good example and one I could go either way on depending on what my, my team looked like. I mean, these are just some random names I picked out of the top 50 running backs going here towards the back end. And I I think I'm, I'm, I'm in it where I go, you know, if it's not like the 301 or something where I'm talking class, more I, middling or later. Yeah, true. Yeah, like I'm the 304, the 306, you know, 308. You got three of these picks in the <laughs> third round. And people want to give me three running backs I think have a legitimate shot at doing something for my teams next year. I think I'm in. I think where it becomes really gross is uh, another Scott Connor reference, but when you get outside those threshold wide receivers, where it's like, I don't really want to make those bets. I think the thirds would be more valuable on my team for me to move up or package them in the rookie draft. You know, if I, if I got a feeling that, Hey man, the last quarterback's about to go and he keeps slipping, man, we're at the one eleven, and, and they haven't taken the last boy. Will Levis is out there. Right, right. Will Levis or, or Anthony Richardson still available there. What do I got to do to package my, my two Oh two or my two Oh four to get up to that one eleven? Well, I'd rather have the thirds as ammunition just in case I could make a move like that. Go up and secure a quarterback or a premium position. Or if I think the last good running backs running out, right? We're in the early part of the second. Here, let me toss a couple thirds your way just to move up here to make sure I can lock this guy up for me. So that's a, that's what, that's 100% the, 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 the conversation. And, and I think, honestly, Mike, what, what makes it interesting about the, the scenario you gave me is current free agency and not knowing. Okay, so what I mean by that, Dynasty Degenerates, is if Kareem Hunt is locked into Cleveland again for a year, this is a different conversation, right? If Kenny Gainwell, if we know that Miles Sanders got extended for you know a three-year, four-year contract, it's a different conversation. But we don't know that, right? So there's just as many different scenarios for a guy like Kenneth Gainwell and there is for Kareem Hunt as there also is for these draft picks if I'm thinking about them one-for-one. Your point, though, Mike, is what is what makes it harder for me to move the picks on the clock. I can move up, right? Yeah. On the clock, th- I think this is where 2022 draft and recency bias, everybody thinking about that needs to try to remove some of that. Honestly, Mike, 302, 303, 304, like I think this class is deep enough, especially with what we're going to probably see from some seniors and some names we weren't expecting in this class to where – you know, late seconds probably have a lot of value. And all of a sudden, in your league, maybe what you have as your 206, 207 doesn't go off at 208 or 209 or 210 or 211 or 212. All of a sudden, we're in the third round and one of your second-round running backs is out there. That's where, okay, flip side, if I'm at the 301, 302, 303, someone might be coming to me with a totally different offer than what you could be thinking a third round value is worth. I think that's part of the problem I have with giving up thirds, especially earlier thirds, is that scenario I think will happen quite a bit, depending on who you're drafting with, because I think this class is going to be crazy deep, man. I think the last two scenarios that I'll give, especially when we're talking about third round picks that I'm good with, and I want to get your opinion on it and see where you where you land on it, but 
there's a few quarterback targets out there where people have dunked on them. Their value has tanked so hard. And it's not just my guy, Zach Wilson. It's not just the MILF hunter. I'm not just out here with a one-man band trying to uh, promote Zach Wilson. But there's other ones in that range where I'm very comfortable acquiring them for thirds, even early thirds, Adam, because I think the payoff of them being starting quarterbacks somewhere and, and playing 2023 as the guy for most, if not all the season and maybe beyond, it is well worth it for me to take any third and super flex and just and move it towards that quarterback. If I miss, I miss. So I'm thinking I'm talking like guys like Ryan Tannehill, um, Zach Wilson, Baker Mayfield. Uh, as crazy as it sounds, man, like I'm getting more and more comfortable really shooting for the moon, even on a guy like Sam Howell, <laughs> even on on the the whim of them being like he's getting first opportunity to start next year. That, that doesn't sound crazy. This is Mike I'm talking to. Uh, some of the grosser ones that I get into, like Jameis. I think Jameis might have a job next year. Like, I'm comfortable moving a third for, for Jameis. I'm moving once. a third for Jameis. Um, the other one, and we talked about it on our trade show, and I've probably done it a, a billion times, it feels like, this offseason, but my, my quest for Jawan Johnson's of the world. But this is more best ball leagues. But even lineup leagues, I think – guys who produced at that level that are still being discredited and disvalued. Like I'm comfortable at the tight end position because it is such a shit show. It's such a dumpster fire where if I could hit on a Jawan Johnson versus this third, which I'm probably not going to hit on in my rookie drafts. I mean, Greg Dolchitz had a great year for a rookie and he was a third or fourth round rookie pick last year. Like you, you smashed it out of the park, but Greg Dolchitz didn't produce near the level of a Jawan Johnson, or mm -hmm. even if you want to look at somebody that's super old and gross and crusty and nobody likes, that's easily attainable for a third. Why not a Zach Ertz? <laughs> you know, why not go yeah. get somebody that has a history of it? So at the tight end position, I think that's another one where I look and I go, I don't want to buy into the, you know, the super deep dive tight ends, the ones that are way down there, but guys who actually produce right around that top 12 tight end range, even though that's kind of a stupid number that we put on it, but guys who have been towards the top, I'm willing to pay thirds for that. So quarterbacks, tight ends, I'll lump them in. I think the big one for me, though, looking at it and talking through this with you is is the wide receiver position that I'm just like, in lineup leagues, nah, I'm good. In best ball, it changes completely. Like, I'll take a lot of these non-threshold wide receivers, and I will pay thirds for them. Because in right. a best ball league, they might make my lineup four or five times each throughout the year. And we've seen it for multiple years now from these wide receivers outside the the tight the top 50. Yeah, I, I think that's the big differentiator for it is lineup and best ball here. Like in third in the third range, Mike, what I'm probably going to get back in a wide receiver for that pick, even if we're talking 302ish, you know, it's just nah, like in lineup, nah. Those <laughs> those are actually those are the type of receivers I'm looking to off for probably an early third or a second. The reality, though, in best ball is, okay, it it, it kind of depends on how many spots you have, I think, in best ball to give to these running backs that could end up being a Zamir White or could end up being an Isaiah Spiller, yeah. which now you're going to have to cut, essentially, if you can't trade in, in Dynasty in best ball. Or do you have... Uh, you already have some of those and you're looking to just sure up the back end of your lineup and give yourself 
a chance at some of these consistent weeks. In a scenario like that, I'm perfectly fine sending a third, you know, as gross as it sounds. Like, think about last year. You could have sent a third for Curtis Samuel everywhere in best ball. Every single yep. where, right? The yep. third would have got it done, guaranteed. People were out of the Curtis Samuel business, out, out. I'm talking a third would have been a smash accept. You probably had, you know, the uh, trade block accept, auto accepts, Curtis Samuel, any third, you know? That would have been a scenario where it paid off for you. That That's where in best ball that can work. And I know we talked about how KJ Osborne isn't the sexiest of, of receivers, but if you look at his best ball stats last year, pretty good, actually, for that deep down receiver. So yeah. in the threshold range, like in lineup, I don't want KJ Osborne. Best ball for a third, I'm probably considering it for KJ Osborne, honestly. So that that's the type of differentiator is – in the two leagues and how in best ball you want all that bench spots to have depth, but not just depth, depth that can score for you this week. Whereas in lineup, like KJ Osborne scoring eight points a game or seven points a game means absolutely nothing to you. You're never going to start him, right? And the week he goes off, you won't have him in your lineup. I like it, man. I think this sets up for another episode where we talk about the differences in draft capital because it's becoming readily apparent to me, the value difference of rookie draft picks in lineup versus best ball, and especially what we were just talking about in the third round range. So we'll have to dive into that a little bit more. Let me give one last point here, and that is to, once again, we talk about the rookie placeholders and taking name value and pick value and how right now the name value actually has more weight typically. So you got to try to separate yourself from some of the names you've fallen in love with, especially like – People that are very in the Devian dynasty. Everyone listening to the show probably. Like we get all excited for a David Bell, right? Before David Bell had the horrible combine, like he's a name that's been around for forever. You're excited. He's a producer in college. Bad combine. All of a sudden you have very mixed results on what you think of him. Then because of analytics, Cleveland takes him to third. He hasn't done a thing. And I know they have a, a good quarterback in Watson. But – what we've seen David Bell produce, how DPJ's played, like this is not a good bet any longer. Now, it doesn't mean David Bell can't end up being an enigma, but understand like David Bell is a bad bet, right? These type of ideas, like Paris Campbell kind of was the same type of idea in years past. Those are players, for me anyway, I'm willing to just liquidate now. Let me re-roll. My David Bell shot, didn't really pan out so far. If you want to hold and you say, ah, I haven't seen enough. Okay. So what happens when you've seen enough? You know what's happened? Everybody else has definitely seen enough and nobody cares because you have to hold right. the assets. Right? So sometimes you have to just liquidate early to give yourself other shots at getting into the new David Bell and maybe that one hits. But the reality is David Bell is a bad bet. I'm using that as an example as a Cleveland Brown and someone I'm just looking at on my sheet here. But there's other name cachet types that you had hope on right you you drafted in you're invested in you you followed them through college it's time to let the name go and get into the liquidity because there's going to be a lot of other names that get exciting and david bell is going to be forgotten about i promise you yes sir I think this is all leading up to some pretty fantastic episodes that we're going to dive into, and hopefully we can work out this uh, this collaboration with Scott. That's kind of been in the in the uh, the woodworks here. Yeah, uh, we've we've been uh, we've been working on a, uh, a series 
that we're going to do with roster construction specifically tied to best ball. So yep. it's good to see Scott too, man. Scott get into a lot more best ball. Uh, bad for us. Uh, bad for us if we're playing at least with yeah. Scott because that is one of the sharpest, sharpest sons of bitches out there. Right it, it's bad for best ballers. Um, right now it's not bad for me because we're still in the league together, but it's going to be bad for me pretty soon when Scott's in the oh, league with oh, us. Oh, we are. Know? We are. He joined the Royal Rumble. Oh, that's right. He did. Right? He's this in that fucking uh, – I'm out here tripping. Yeah, he he did the um he was in the dispersal with Mike. That's right. Of yes, course he was. was. He's already in my he's league in best ball. Damn it. He's already a pain in my ass taking all the quarterbacks in that dispersal too. So imagine that someone stealing all the quarterbacks from Mike, the McNutted QB <laughs> horde. He beat you to it. You know. He knows. He knows what's up. But yeah, we're Man, we're, we're excited for that one though. The, uh, the the roster construction series that we will be getting to in best ball. Um, eventually we're gonna get to a collaboration. Uh, Destination Dynasty in 4D, so DD in 4D. But um, stay tuned to that. We we still have to work out the details. But I, I'm excited for that one as well. I'm excited for it as well too, buddy. Uh, I think that's all I got, man. A little bit of Eagles talk. Me get to gloat a little bit. Uh, we can put the uh, NFL is rigged thing to bed, please. Please stop. <laughs> please stop, man. Just enjoy the games. <laughs> Not everything is a conspiracy. It's fine. It'll be okay. Trust Sa- me. Says says the guy in the Super Bowl. Uh, no, it's. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> It, it, I'm I'm with you. Um, it, it was frustrating, I'm sure, to see a lot of those calls. Even as a, as a someone that didn't have a dog in the fight, it was a couple of them are were, felt cringeworthy. But at the same time, understand these are these are humans, right? Like the refs, a lot of times are making judgment calls, and yeah. they're not going to get everything right. Just like players are going to make mistakes in games. It's just it's part of the human element. But I will say I'm excited for um, that those episodes to follow. I'm I'm excited, honestly. For the Super Bowl coming up, I'm excited for the Dynasty entire offseason coming up. I feel like this year with this class is going to be such a fun, exciting offseason. Like 22 last year didn't have that same feeling because everyone's telling you it's a terrible class. It's a gross class. All offseason. So so it's like clouding the excitement over a lot of the, the people in the class, whereas this year you have none of that. You have the opposite of that. So this whole offseason is going to be a, a ton of fun. So everyone, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we're going to have to make sure it's not as easy for Mike. He doesn't get to come in here and just gloat, tell everyone that his Eagles are in the Super Bowl, tell everyone about all his dynasty teams that are going to win and how he's going to get the 111 for DeAndre Swift everywhere because it's the better play. Next week, we'll make it harder for him. But for now, make sure you utilize all this information, the fact that dynasty picks are going up. In essence, hold the picks – instead of getting players that are really non-essential. If you can get into the elite tiers of wide receiver, if you can get those stud quarterbacks, move off the leverage today. That's what you had the leverage for. Other than that, let that leverage build. Let the value build for your dynasty teams. Because just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 4D chess. That's going to do it. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you.